Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. All right. Tommy is about to books. One, two, one, two, three, four. To Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I am your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. Hey, Sydney. You look angry. Yeah, Justin, you know, it's a it, it's a new year, and I really thought as part of the new year you were trying to like, you know, take a little better care of yourself, like eat a little healthier and mm-hmm, get mm-hmm, a little mm-hmm. more exercise, you know. Correct, true, take true, care all of true. The, the old ticker there. Yep. You, you were not getting any younger. So you were trying to do that, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, see, that's interesting because um, I noticed in your office trash can today um, a KFC bucket. Well, okay, technically speaking, it, it's a it's a go-cup that, I mean, it's a, it, I guess it's bucket-shaped. It's technically a small bucket that once held chicken tenders and french fries. Wait, so there's... Hold on, on a side note, are they serving chicken in a go cup now? Yeah, it's a, it fits in your cup holder, so you just slam it. So you can, it's a small bucket. Do you just eat it out of the cup? Yeah. Do you, do right. you use your hands or do you just like stick your head in it? <laughs> no, no, it's uh, yes, Sydney, you're right. Uh, that is a KFC cup, uh, but I had to. You had to yes. for for your health. You had to. For your new healthy lifestyle, taking care of your body, you it's, had to eat Kentucky Fried Chicken. It's prescription. It's prescription homeopathic treatment for my uh, asthma. Okay, a couple points. Uh, one, you don't have asthma, uh, so it worked. Okay, uh, two, chicken doesn't treat anything. Uh, it's a homeopathic treatment. It wouldn't surprise me uh, that you haven't heard about it. This is a stumbling block that we run into a lot. I know you're more on that allopathic tip. But it's a homeopathic cure that I read about on Reddit Okay. okay. for asthma. Do you even know what homeo- homeopathy is? What it's a homeopathic cure is? Basically, it's like when you make something up, right? And then you just say that it helps. No. No. That's how I've been using it for the past few years, and you haven't corrected me. No, that's not. Homeopathy is like a thing. Like, it's a whole thing, and there are certain definitions. Like, it means something. It's not just, you know, stuff that you're not supposed to have that you pretend cures something. Okay, so why don't you help help me out? Where Where did, if it's a real thing, then someone had to have come up with it. Yes? Yes. All right, you want me to tell you about homeopathy? If we're gonna, if I'm gonna tell you about homeopathy, I'm gonna tell you about Samuel Hahnemann. All right, I okay. like the sound of that. Or uh, actually, his full name was Christian Friedrich Samuel Hahnemann. 
but that just seems like a lot. Yeah, so let's go with Sammy. He seemed. I, I'm guessing he went by Samuel. That seems to be what or I found. Sammy, maybe. Maybe Sammy. Sam. Sam. The Sam Meister. The Samster. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know what his friends called him. So he was a German physician. He lived from 1755 to 1843. He was born near Dresden. Um, and he was a super smart guy. Really, really smart. Yeah, that's the number one thing you need to know about Hahnemann. He was like a really wicked smart guy. Um, when he was younger, his I guess he must have come from a pretty smart family. Um, his dad really wanted him to kind of stay home and be homeschooled more or less because he thought mm-hmm. formal education wasn't going to like do his mind justice. Hmm. And he would pull him out of school periodically to like practice thinking lessons with him. That's a great idea. I wish my dad had done that for me. I don't know. I was thinking about that. Is Would that be fun? Maybe if you didn't know it was coming <laughs> and you were worried about it all the time. That would really keep you on your toes. Like, whoa, whoa, shoo, I thought that was my dad. Sorry, about, I got scared. Think about what a bummer. Like, you get called to the office and your dad's there and he's like, I'm taking you home for the rest of the day. I don't want you in school anymore. And you're like, score. I'm score. out of school. Unless he comes, like, what if he only comes during, like, cooking class or gym? I guess that would be a bummer. Yeah. Maybe he recess. Only, yeah, he only comes during recess. <laughs> yes. Well, but I mean, whatever he pulled you out of, if, like, if it was to do a thinking lesson, I don't know how much fun that would be. Mm. It seemed pretty fun in Finding Forrester when Sean Connery was giving that kid thinking lessons. I didn't see the movie, but it, that's what it seemed like it was going on in the trailers. He gives him thinking lessons? You old man now, dog, you learn to think. What is a thinking lesson? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I clearly haven't had any. So, in addition to his thinking lessons, he uh, also studied, I mean, I guess, actual subjects. Um, he was interested in pharmacy, botany, physics, basically everything. He learned a ton of different languages. Uh, that was something that would persist throughout his life. He could work as a translator, actually, later, hmm. because he knew so many languages. Um, but despite his father's urging otherwise, actually, he was really interested in medicine. What kid doesn't, what dad doesn't want their kid to do medicine? I don't know. I don't know what he wanted him to do instead. I guess think more. Maybe. Yeah, that's going to really cut into your thinking time, son. <laughs> Just stay at home and think? Just ponder. I don't know. Maybe I should do, maybe we should do another episode on his dad and figure yeah, out what his deal like was. sounds like a real, real cutting edge dude. So, so he went and he studied medicine. Um, medicine. He went to a couple different places. A lot of this was due to the fact that he was from a, a poor family. And so he studied at Leipzig and he had to go to Vienna for a while. And he finally went to the University of Erlingen, Erlingen and got his MD there. Hmm. Uh, I thought this was kind of interesting. Just as a little bonus fact, his graduate the- graduate thesis was a dissertation on the causes and treatments of cramps. So far, except for Weird Dad, he seems like a pretty average dude. Well, he was, I mean, a, a dude who was really interested in cramps. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. Fair. I'm Fair guessing point. if it could fit a whole dissertation, he meant like all cramps. Mm-hmm. Like whenever I hear be cramps, I think like... You know, like, oh, my cramps are so bad. This is going to be a really heavy one. Come well, on. I mean, that's what I always think of. But, I mean, I guess it's like, ah, oh, my leg cramp. Ah, oh, yeah, I'm never going to win the I race now. <laughs> I think it's probably all cramps. <laughs> I don't think at some point he was like, this is just too broad for my <laughs> thesis. I have to narrow it down to certain types of cramps. <laughs> There's too much to cover. This is my Everest. So, like you said, he seemed like a regular guy, and at that point, what he did was pretty pretty ordinary. He moved to 
uh, a place, Mansfeld, Saxony. He worked in like a, a mining village. Is it like a village doctor? Okay. Um, he got married. He had eleven kids. Yeesh. Yep, a lot of them. And that could have that could have been kind of the whole story. Worked there as a doc. Had a big family. Took care of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's important to remember the time period. So, uh, like I said, we're now in the, like the late later 1700s at this point. Okay. Okay. And this was during what would be known as the age of heroic medicine, or the age of heroic medicine. This sound now. Listen, I don't know anything heroic about it. It sounds exciting. Well, it it does sound exciting. Um, and it was probably exciting to be a doctor at the time. I don't know that it would have been very exciting to be a patient. The idea was that, okay, the medical profession got together and said, look, we're not doing very well. <laughs> we don't. <laughs> Listen, we d- I'm my, I've got a real legitimate fear. and This is going to sound crazy. Uh, I'm worried that someday people will invent electronic audio communication downloadable <laughs> weekly. And there's going to be two whippersnappers that are just taking us apart. I mean, you think about the things we've done. They don't make a lot of conventional sense. And it's not like we try to justify it in any way. We don't even have a point. I mean, we know we're making it up. But what if future people discover this? We'll be a laughing stock. Well, and this is but the, their answer to this. I mean, because that's what they said is like, we don't really know what we're doing. Um people are dying we're not preventing illness so basically new ideas are welcome you got an idea let's try it anything yeah we are we're it was like it was like a a kickstarter for (laughs) medical (laughs) medical theories like we will make it happen come here and bring us your bloodletting bring us your arsenic uh blistering became very popular at the time where oh you're sick well i'm gonna take a hot iron and blister your skin because why not and then i'm going to keep the wound open for months and make it infected periodically yeah and and tons of different ways to make people vomit lots of different substances to make people vomit and hahnemann um you know as a practitioner in this time was not thrilled about any of this Oh yeah, no. Very. Well, there's a point in his in his column. Yeah, very reasonably, he thought it was kind of crazy. Um, he noted that we were not helping a lot of people. That we didn't really have good reasons for doing any of this stuff, um, and that overall we were probably causing more harm than good. Look at Kevin over there. He's just blistering people. <laughs> what are we doing? That that other guy's just getting all his patients drunk. He's just getting people drunk. Second like episode of Girls we, Gone Wild. In are here. we giving opium to babies? What's wrong with us? What are we doing? And so, in that spirit, he, you know, he tried to resist uh, the common treatments. Um, at first, he just, you know, in the in the absence of any, you know, because if you erased a lot of the uh, popular uh, cures at the time, you ended up with nothing. <laughs> right. Um. So, you know, the well, I'm not going to do anything dangerous, so I've got nothing left. So he started prescribing just kind of like good, clean living, healthy food, fresh air, exercise. Dr. Oz figure. I like it. Yeah. uh, You know, just nothing too severe. Um, I don't know if, you know, were his patients happy with this? Maybe not. Um, Not as the the problem with clean living is effective, but it's not not fun or dramatic. No, not like blistering. So um, eventually he just abandoned the whole medical practice. Okay. He got frustrated with it and he said, you know what? 
I know all these languages. I'm really good at translating stuff. I'm going to start using that combined with my science background and translate various scientific uh, textbooks into German. So he wanted to he wanted to get out of medicine and go where the money was. <laughs> In translating textbooks. Translating German. So he started doing that. And among the things he was translating, he translated William Cullen's uh, book on Materia Medica, which uh, included a bunch of different um, cures and treatments and stuff. But among them was um, his theory on the cure for malaria, which was uh, the cinchona tree bark. That's that's legit, right? Yeah, it include it that uh, contains quinine. I knew about that from Elizabeth Gilbert's book. Really? Yes. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, that is totally true. It contained quinine. Signature of all things, by the way, is what it's called, I, if you want to read it. You're a big fan of that. Yeah, it's a great book. So, he was right. Quinine is, uh, was and still is a treatment that we use for malaria. Um, well, Hahnemann didn't buy it right away. He was translating this book. He read that. He said, eh, I wonder if this is true. And as part of his dissatisfaction with the whole medical practice in general, he was kind of trying to debunk some of the things we did and so he thought well i'm going to give this a shot i'm going to get some of this bark and i'm going to dose myself with it and see what happens okay now it should be noted that he doesn't have malaria good that's good for him so he gives himself uh big doses of of quinine essentially and he starts to develop what he interprets as malaria-like symptoms fevers sweats chills nausea diarrhea um, all kinds of symptoms that you might see with malaria. Okay. Now, on a side note, we should point out that if you take too much quinine or even just a therapeutic dose of quinine, by the way, you can develop synchronism, which has a lot of those same symptoms. Okay, so we just, can safely assume that's probably what was happening. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it's toxic in high doses, and even as anyone who's ever been treated with quinine for malaria can tell you, even in regular doses... It creates a horrible roaring sound in your ears that prevents you from hearing anybody for days while you're on it. So it's not a pleasant medicine to take. Well, he took it, he got really sick and he, with symptoms that he identified as malarial symptoms and said, huh, so maybe if this medicine that works to fix malaria in a healthy person or in a sick person causes malaria in a healthy person, Maybe, in general, like cures like. So if you take something that would be toxic in a healthy person, it will always cure that thing in a sick person. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, so like... It's the it, law of similars, like cures like. So I know that it doesn't uh, work this way, but like, uh, sort of like... Well, sort of like vaccines, right? He actually... that Well, and that's actually... He didn't draw this this uh, comparison, but in a lot of the reading I did on homeopathy today, they'll they'll use that example a lot. Uh, patients who get flu shots, which have killed flu germs in them, mm -hmm. um, as a way of preventing the flu. But I mean, but basically, in his way That's of thinking, like for instance, if Ipecac makes you throw up, then if you're throwing up, you should be able to take Ipecac, and it will make you feel better. You know, you'd think, yes, I mean, that isn't, 
I did not find Ipecac among the homeopathic remedies. No one's remedies, ever like yes. actually seen Ipecac. No one knows what it actually is. No, I mean it is a real thing. It, yeah. it will make you throw up. We yep. don't use it anymore. But, okay, but it, it it does exist. Um, but yeah, I mean you get the idea. Um, and so he began to experiment experiment with this and with other substances. Um, he tried some more benign things like just different herbs to see in you know various doses how what effect they had on people and then he also tried more dangerous things like snake venom (laughs) Um, and i think what's really interesting is he tried these experiments on himself he also enlisted friends and some of his children to help him out with this ah come on sam i mean he had 11 (laughs) he couldn't spare some he's he's just using a burner he's just a burner kid i don't know I had this I had this one to experiment about malaria with. Now to be fair, I, I got the impression from my reading that they were older and uh complicit and no, wanted st- to help out with dad's I'm research. With mine. <laughs> Dad, why'd you name me Crash Test Doug? <laughs> Don't always worry about it. Drink this snake venom. Drink this snake venom there, pincushion. <laughs> <laughs> um now initially when he started giving uh actual sick people these toxic substances they just seem to get sicker hmm wait Hmm. (laughs) so Hmm. he he thought about that and he said you know what it must be that when you are sick there's already something going on with you you know you're already imbalanced so we need to give you a smaller amount um and this is where uh dilution comes in with homeopathy and if anybody's familiar with it you you kind of know what i'm talking about here you take the Whatever the toxic substance, disease-causing substance, whatever the herbal thing, whatever it is that you're using, you take one drop of it and you put it into 99 drops of water or alcohol, depending on what you're using. Mm -hmm. Uh, You then continue that dilution several times over. How many times? I'm assuming it depends on the patient and the disease and the substance, but you keep doing that. Okay. I, I will probably lose count, but it can't matter. Uh, eventually the idea is that no actual quantity of the substance exists in the mixture um, but kind of the the footprint or the echo of it. The vibe. Yeah. <laughs> the, vibe. the vibe of it still exists. Yeah, that's a lot. That's not true, right? I mean, it's still in there. That's the basis of homeopathy. Well, I'm not a scientist, but it seems like it's still there. And so, well, I'm sure there are some there's some atom of it left. Okay. But that's not the idea. It doesn't matter. The, the, the concept is not that there is an atom of it left. It's what it did to the substance to be, you know. Gives it its vibe. Yes. And it's mojo. that's what you give to the patient. Okay. And that Drink is homeopathy. Mojo. And, and it's different, I should note, it, uh, from my reading, again, I am not trained in homeopathy. It's different for different patients. So you and I might have the same illness, um, but depending on our emotional and mental state, we may have completely different cures. Sound a little hippy-dippy to me. said, I don't know. I'm going to stick with my KFC treatments for asthma at this point uh, right now they're still not homeopathic i don't know oh, well you... okay agreed are, are you diluting the chicken in some way with fries <laughs> with coke diet wait coke. you're I... diluting the chicken with coke I does mean, that come in the go cup do tummy. you just pour coke directly <laughs> yeah. in the chicken and fries the go cup itself is actually a blender you just throw in the coke make a slurry and and jam it Ugh. sorry does kfc serve fries yeah, pretty good fries. A little thick, but okay, this is off topic. Okay. I just want some fries now. 
Okay. So in addition to this, and, and again, if you are familiar at all with homeopathy, this all sounds very familiar to you because we, we just kind of describe the basic tenets. On a side note, I think it's worth mentioning uh, that Samuel Hahnemann for a while toyed with the idea that most disease was caused by coffee. Now, I'm I'm no barista, but uh, I've found coffee it usually fixes fixes me up, makes me feel real good in the mornings when I need it, and it'll pick me up. It'll go juice. I, I'm assuming this was the beginning of, you know, because I feel like every f- couple years in the medical literature, like, we release some new report about coffee, and then it gets printed in the, you know, in the mass media, like, coffee's good for you. You should drink coffee. You'll live longer. And then, like two years later, we're like, "Never mind. Coffee's killing everyone." It was bad the whole time. This, I, I guess, this is where it started. So you're saying Samuel Hahnemann's right half the time about coffee? Right. So it depends on what year it is. Fifty percent of the time, he could be right. I don't think most diseases are caused by coffee. Well, everybody's entitled to their own beliefs, I guess. Uh, from what I could tell, though, this was not a long-held belief. He quickly kind of abandoned that because. Um, he later spoke of the idea of miasmas. Now, I think we've mentioned this before. Miasma Maybe. theory. The idea that there are forces like these kind of intangible things around us. I guess like the force. Vibes. Yeah. That cause disease. Mm-hmm. So he introduced the idea um, in his 1828 book, The Chronic Disease, of three major miasmas. Now, I don't think this was groundbreaking for him to name these three. I think these were already kind of around. He just defined them and and kind of put them in this context. Mm-hmm. Um, the big one that we need to talk about is Sora. No, Sora coffee. <laughs> well, Sora isn't coffee, but he did list a lot of the same diseases uh, that he said were caused by coffee as now being caused by Sora. Oh, okay. Passing the buck. So he so he said never maybe he started liking coffee. Then he said never mind. Listen, I tried it. I've been I've been having a <laughs> black so the whole wrong. time. And apparently that's just not what I like. I like it with a little a little half and half and a little splenda. So now I'm into coffee. Now Coffee's I'm into coffee, thing. but I'm not into Sora. Not into Sora. Keep that away. Now, Sora is the miasma that's responsible for like eighty five percent of disease. So it's the big one. Um it references some kind of force, like I said. And this particular one, Sora, can um, cause stomach ulcers, swollen glands, organ dysfunction, epilepsy, TB, asthma. Well, there you go. Asthma. Not chicken. Okay. Um, anything. So. No, no, no. You don't understand. The Sora caused my asthma, which I cured with chicken. With a dilution of chicken. With a dilution of delicious <laughs> chicken. Boneless. Thank you. I'll never understand that. So, sore causes most of the disease. Uh, there are two other miasmas. Okay, Sydney, I love you. You keep saying the you keep saying that Sora does these things. Sora is not real, right? Like, because you keep saying it, it's getting very confusing <laughs> for me in this seat over here. In the theory of homeopathy, there are three miasmas. So, if you're writing this in paragraph these. format, that would have been underlined at the top, and then you would have put this below it. Because you keep <laughs> saying these things, and I don't know if you know this. I whatever you say, I just accept it verbatim. Okay, well, I am not saying that I necessarily believe that. Okay. Uh, this is, okay, I'll go ahead and, and put this out there. I am not sure if a modern homeopathic physician believes this or not. Okay. I am really not sure. 
I found some articles where they do. And then I found some articles where they were arguing that maybe it needs to be um, looked into again. When there's not a lot of research to back things up, it can be hard to reach a consensus. Exactly. And there's not, as far as I can tell. This medicine is a lot more based on experience. And it's, it's that is stated. Hahnemann said that. This is the medicine of experience, not the medicine of experiment, I guess. I made that up. That's but, good. But that, that was the basis that for it. That's good. You just this come up with that works. off the top of your head? Yeah. That's good. Thanks. Wow. But it worked, so they did it again and again. Uh, or they said it worked. I don't know if it worked. They said it worked. People okay. think it works. People, th- people say. <laughs> so in this theory, in this theory, there are two other miasmas you should know about. Okay. There's psychosis. That's with an S, not with a P. Okay. Uh, <laughs> not to be confused. <laughs> it's from the Greek for fig, which is because psychosis, uh, the big thing, the hallmark of psychosis is that it causes warts, which I guess look like figs. Okay. Um, so if you have a uh, warty protrusions anywhere you've got psychosis it can also cause sexual and urinary diseases and anything that's worsened by damp weather like arthritis like arthritis okay um strangely the third miasma is not the one that causes sexual and urinary diseases and it's called syphilis not to be confused with syphilis this is why there can't be like a whole other kind of medicine because i (laughs) can't even keep the other one straight and then somebody just made up another kind i don't know the, uh, syphilis is already a, a thing there's also words just use one of those words i found i found in one thing i was reading about homeopathy that the theory that hahnemann were he to rename this today would almost certainly not use the word syphilis for it uh because he because he'd have google <laughs> Uh, syphilis obviously already existed. We've talked about this before. Syphilis has been around for a really long time. Um, but it was named for syphilis was seen as a disease that caused a lot of destruction. And this particular miasma can cause mass destruction of the body, some really bad stuff. So that's why it was named syphilis. Uh, so it can cause nervous system disorders, blood skeletal problems, any psych stuff, alcoholism, heart disease. So, okay, are these... And uh, anything that happens at night, by the way. And I, <laughs> anything that tends to... If it's a disease that tends to happen at night, it's caused by syphilis. Okay, I know this. This we're a little bit outside our area of expertise right now, but, like, were these just, like, clouds of stuff, like, floating around? Or were there just, like, waves of it? Well, it's just, it's, they're just forces that are around us and within us okay and that cause chronic disease so if you are somebody who has allergies or asthma or something that is chronic or you're somebody who keeps getting bouts of an illness over and over again you have one of these so like the humors kind of well sort of except that the your humors are always in you they mm-hmm. just need to be balanced these aren't necessarily in all people Okay. And when you have them kind of attached to you or within you, they change your your health. Okay, got it. They imbalance you. I understand it as well as I'm going to. So, so you have to treat them homeopathically. Got it. Now, as you may imagine, this was controversial. <laughs> yeah, I would think so. He he had as many detractors uh, excuse as me. he did defenders. Uh, Mr. Hahnemann, Dr. Hahnemann, sorry. <laughs> you named one of them syphilis? Do you know that that's... I don't want to start a controversy, <laughs> but you know that's a thing. Okay. Just want it. Gotcha. Double go. Sorry. Go right ahead. So this was the other syphilis. This syphilis is syphilis two. 2. It's back. This time it's personal. There's so many weird things you can name things. 
This time it's all over. And syphilis is such a thing. Syphilis is like a total thing. It's a big thing. I can't get hung up on this. I'm sorry. So, okay. So it was very controversial. Um, He was not recognized by a lot of the traditional medical organizations. Um, He was seen as a quack for his theories. But uh, there were definitely people who followed him, especially in the U.S., who kind of latched on to this idea and began to practice it. And in particular, a lot of the reason that he was protected and allowed to practice and teach his craft was that there was an archduke who, um, in his whatever, his, I don't know, city-state, realm, county... Whatever Let's go with realm. That's good. I like that. (laughs) Whatever Archdukes uh, lord over, um, who was a firm believer in his practices and kind of protected him. Okay. Um, So he was allowed to continue to work and teach. Uh, He eventually, his his wife died at some point. He married a much younger woman and he moved to Paris and lived out the extent of his life. Died at 90, still practicing homeopathy. Living in 90 in 1843, at least he had something, right? Yeah. I mean, he was doing something right. Um, however, homeopathy did not die. Did not die with Sam. No, no, no. It it continued on past him. I think it's interesting. The main reason that it flourished in the U.S. was a Dr. Constance Herring, uh, who was an M.D. who was actually working to disprove homeopathy. Hmm. Um, he was working with some sort of uh, disease-causing substances in a lab. Uh, some sort of accident left him with a severely injured hand and traditional medicine at that time would have just advised amputation. Is this how he found a follower or a Batman villain? (laughs) Both. Both. Okay. If you're looking for a new Batman villain. Yeah. So uh, he did not want to amputate his hand, um, even though at the time the thought was that the infection would spread and he would die. So he started using the homeopathic remedies that he was trying to disprove. And his hand healed, and he didn't have to amputate it, and so he became a uh, a believer at that de- at that moment. Wow! So is this like is it still happening? Or did it continue? Or it it did. Um, it had a huge at the time. He opened like the Philadelphia's Homeopathic Medical College, which actually later became the Hanukkah Hanuman Medical College and Hospital, which still is named the Hanuman something Hospital in that area. I'm sure a lot of people right now are yelling like, "Oh, it's the Hanuman!" Ah. But right. it's, it's still a hospital today. Named we for can't hear you, by the way. It's just one way. Thing. <laughs> um, by 1900, there were 111 homeopathic hospitals and 22 med schools in the U.S. Wow. Uh, however, with the introduction of like medicines like penicillin and the antibiotic era in the 40s, um, stuff started to fall out of favor. Uh, by 1923, it had dwindled to two med schools and then there are no official programs that exist today Mm. um there are some schools that can issue certificates i believe you can be you can be certified in homeopathy but there's no like licensing um there are a lot of people who get mds or do's or other degrees and then also learn and practice homeopathy and then certainly independent practitioners but it's not a um a formal you know program do you think i could get a certificate in homeopathy I think if you went to one of the schools, I don't. I, it seems like a lot. Of I think work. everything's available online. Yeah, you know, you can be an ordained minister I'll online. Just so you can shop probably. It. It's not a big deal. Uh, in the '60s, there was a huge resurgence, which is why it's still around today. Probably, um, you know, there was a return to nature and more mm-hmm. natural solutions. Um, and it, I will say this: that in the '90s, it became recognized as a part of what a lot of us traditional practitioners call CAM, complementary and alternative medicine practices. 
Uh, and um, JAMA, the Journal of American Medical Association, actually wrote an article saying that we should just consider homeopathy another tool in our belts in the 90s. So it's used more widely in other countries. Um, I'm sure some of our listeners from outside the U.S. are very familiar, but there are certainly practitioners uh, in the U.S. today. Does it work? Uh, are you asking I, me? I'm not a doctor. I don't know. Well, I'm telling you, I don't know. Probably sometimes it works, or at least it is conducted at the same time as the person being cured. Uh, the official standpoint of you know any medical organization would tell you that um, it is regulated by the FDA, so there's no reason to think that it's harmful, the medications that are used, or the homeopathic, I don't know if they would like medications, homeopathic remedies. Treatments. treatments. Okay. Um, but it should not be used as the only method of treating something. So if you have been diagnosed with cancer and you want to also visit a homeopathic practitioner, that's great, but you should probably go ahead and see somebody with traditional medical background as well. And both can be used in conjunction. That's, that's usually the stance of most medical organizations. There's not a lot of research, not a lot of evidence, so I don't know how to advise you otherwise. And we wouldn't anyway, because we're a podcast. Exactly. A podcast that you listen to every Tuesday or, you know, whenever you want to. It's completely up to you. Uh, we record it for you so you'll enjoy it at your leisure. Um, thank you so much to people who were uh, uh, sharing our show and uh, tweeting about it this week. Uh, people like uh, the our friends at um, Games by Playdate who are working on the Solomon's game that we'll share with you soon as we can that looks fantastic it looks like a lot of fun daniel coble justin dale uh charles b rob soden tara nicole louis bertani uh lindsey gates markel fred wood chris day uh baron von chicken pants <laughs> all right <laughs> all like right hot shot <laughs> thanks S- slow slow your roll there uh thank you to so much people sharing the show we sure appreciate it and that's the only way that we can get bigger so please take a couple minutes this week and tell people to listen to sawbones and how can they send us emails justin yeah, you can just send that on over to sawbones at speaking of that url sydney that's where all the other great shows on the maximum fun network are shows like stop podcasting yourself the goose down the new international waters with uh, our buddy dave hill um my brother, my brother, and me. Thank you, Sydney. My brother, my brother, and me. One bad mother. Uh, Jordan, Jesse, go. Judge John Hodgman. So many others to, for you to enjoy, uh, um, and they're all worth listening to. So go give them a few minutes of your valuable free time. Uh, thank you to the taxpayers for letting us use their song "Medicines" for our opening and closing. You can find them on Twitter, the taxpayers, and thank them for their generosity and buy all their flipping music please. And uh, be sure to join us again next Tuesday for another episode of Sawbones. Until then, I'm Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.